Come on in, guys. Matt Hammond and Jared Sundin back again. Another episode of Talking Llama. Continuing our rankings with our 11th and 12th ranked seasons. And just a quick note uh, before we get going, and I'll hopefully try to remember this at the end as well. Going forward for the end of the of these rankings, we're going to be doing two seasons per episode. Um, with the potential for seasons one and two to get their own individual episodes. That part remains to be seen, but at least seasons three through 12 will be two at a time uh, for just running long and still getting enough time to, to cover these, these top of the upper tier seasons. So let's not waste any time, Jared. Number 12, Cook Islands, season 13, 2006, won by the incomparable Yul Kwan, the man, the myth, the legend himself. And for Cook Islands, might as well get this part out of the way at the beginning. This is the season that was infamously divided by race and ethnicity. And the intention behind it was good. Survivor wanted to, wanted to prove that they could put together an interesting, diverse cast. And, you know, it's been proven, proven that they can do that. But I don't know that they necessarily had to put it so in your face that you know, to divide it by, by race and ethnicity. They could have just had a, divi- a diverse cast and just split them up literally any other way. Yeah, this kind of felt, um, <laughs> I mean, yes, I could see what they were doing, but kind of felt like everyone was pitted against each other at first, which is not something that you really want to do when it comes to race. Yes, it's been dubbed by some in a mocking tone, you know, survivor race wars. As, as that season, which which I can see, um, but yeah, it did it did kind of set out to seemingly prove which race is best, and that's not what you <laughs> want out of your show. Um, now, luckily, I think it turned out on that front okay. You know, you had some players like like Ewell and I think Brad, both on the on the Asian tribe, that they were a little worried about how this was going to turn out. That was it going to be edited to just show the stereotypical Asian characters and black characters and, and, you know, Hispanic and, and white and play into the stereotypes or really let them show them as, you know, the full complex individuals that they are. I think for the most part, that is what happened. I think most people should be fairly pleased with the edit, at least from that standpoint. Yeah. I didn't really notice anything, um, editing wise or you know like how one group was edited differently than than other groups um i remember specifically yule uh was a little nervous about how cowboy would make the asian tribe look but um you know he was his time was relatively short-lived and um i liked eventually how you know once they got to the merge race just didn't really seem to be an issue. Um, and they all, you know, it was 
how, how can I work with these numbers? You know, like who's in my Alliance, that kind of thing. And, um, that was, I, I would hope what the goal was to, um, just to, you know, kind of show that we can overcome it or that we can get everyone working together as long as we're all working for the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you want to show a diverse cast, the best case scenario is to mix them up and have, and have everyone, regardless of where they come from or who they are working together. Like you mentioned, not, not pitting them against each other. Yep. Yeah. So like pre and post merge, obviously have very different feelings when, um, when we're talking about how the tribes were split up initially. Yeah. And with that, it also meant it started with four tribes. And I am really typically not a fan of, of four tribes. Um, they did it the season before in Panama, where they split it up by, by gender and age. Um, another interesting choice. Um, but I, I really like the, the two tribes to start. Now, if it's a returning player season, it's a little easier to get away with three. But when you've got to go through camp life at three, in this case, four different tribes, plus an immunity challenge and maybe a reward challenge as well, it it speeds things up a little too much or at least at least leaves the episodes open to speeding them up too much. And it's harder to get to know the characters. And you've got to spend the time you could spend on two tribes, on four tribes that... I, don't know. I think it worked fine. You know, they did some switches and whatnot. And, and obviously when you get to the merge, it's a non-issue. But for those first three episodes, it it doesn't quite flow like I would like the first few episodes to to do so. I want those first few to really get to know the characters so you can be invested in in their story from there on out. And and having so many tribes and the constant switching back and forth, it makes it a little harder to keep track of that kind of stuff. Yeah. At least for with, me. Yeah. Um to me, I, I actually haven't noticed that much of a difference as far as how in-depth they get with some of the players early on, um, depending on the number of tribes, because I have noticed on some seasons that even when there are two tribes and you get one tribe going to tribal every count, every tribal council, you know, losing every immunity challenge, um, even when there's two tribes, the second tribe, really, it, it seems to take a long time to get to know those people um, just because you don't really get to see them playing the game early on. So, yes, I, I get your point um, that with more with more tribes to focus on, it will showcase one at a time out of four instead of one at a time out of two. Um, but to me, I think the... Uh, the bigger problem I have with it is that yes, it's harder to find yourself at tribal council early on in the season, but if you go there and there's only five people on your tribe, good luck. That's the other thing too, is that it makes it much more difficult to navigate those, those early votes. And I'd much rather see, cause when you have like a, a tribe of nine or even 10, there can be, you know, multiple little factions that kind of break out and you might, you know, get a, a four, three, three vote at one of these, depending on how it breaks out, but there's really no, no chance of that. Like you're saying at a tribal council of five people and, and early on, it kind of makes for an interesting very first vote because everyone's probably even more on edge. Um, Cause theoretically each person has a 20% chance of going home. 
know, if you're doing, if you're using Jeff Probst math, math, at least, um, that's another thing that I was, I was watching. It's kind of a side. I was watching heroes versus villains and oh, I can't remember what the situation is, but Sandra says to Russell, you're doing math wrong. And it's like, Oh, Jeff Probst does math wrong. Every time he says you have a one in blank chance of winning this game. But that's how many people there are. <sighs> if only statistics was that simple. And yeah. but it's, it's the same kind of thing here. You've got five people. If you want to break it down to the simplest form, 20% chance around, you know, across the board, but it does make for that maybe very first vote, but then that tribe goes again, then it's only a tribe of four and it, it makes those first, you know, few, you know, week or two in the game, a little more hectic from that standpoint. And it, I don't think it adds enough to make it worth it. Yeah, no. And, and if you're Francesca, you have a hundred percent chance of going home every time you go to tribal council. So, you know, I, I guess, I'll add that in to make your point, but the math, the math doesn't lie there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one other problem that I have with splitting everyone up into several tribes early on is that once you get past those first two votes, um, let's say it's the same tribe that goes to tribal council both times. Then you have three people left. You have to split that tribe up and everyone on that tribe becomes a minority alliance on the new tribe that they're on. And it just seems to really take away a lot of the setting up of the game for certain individuals. Yeah. And we've talked a number of times about how survivor is not a fair game and rightfully so, but there are things like this where it's kind of the production's fault that it's an unfair game. Like there, it's not just everyone knows, knows uh, an idol can, can screw someone out of, being safe at one tribal council or, or another. That's just part of the game. But when a mechanism like this is put in by production where the players really have no control over that, aside from just doing better in the challenges, um, yeah, it, it makes it a little less interesting, you know, if if a tribe of three then gets split up and then they get picked off at the first tribal to, tribal to go to. Not that it's always that straightforward, depending on, on how the other tribe is is moving along but it does make it much harder for them to navigate themselves through the game only a couple days or weeks into it yeah um yeah i guess all in all as far as the several tribes thing or the several tribes thing goes um i think we're probably in agreement that yes maybe every once in a while if you if you get a good cast, it can work out. But um, for all the reasons mentioned, we, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Slightly, you're rolling the dice. Different paths to get, to get yeah. there, but we, we end up at the same place that there's not enough good to outweigh the bad or even potential bad. One thing I really, I skipped over is our individual rankings for this season. So I'll get that real quick. Um, Cook Island is my 18th and this is your 11th ranked right near the top 10 jared yes yes um honestly it feels kind of low i love this season so i mean it or, does i mean a couple things that really stick out or a few things uh first it introduces a quartet of just survivor icons and legends mentioned yule who wins the game of course but also ozzy poverty and jonathan penner and also candace who ends up playing three times mm-hmm. i'm a little lower on her i think she's fine 
I don't really have anything against her, but she's not the di- the dynamic player or personality or strategist like those four are. I mean, Yule is one of the smartest strategists to ever ever play. Parvati is arguably the best player to ever play. Ozzy is Ozzy. You know, he's an absolute freak of nature in challenges and taking some interesting choices post survivor these days. You want to look at it yourself and what he's, what he's been up to. And then Penner Penner, along with someone we'll talk about in the Amazon coming up next, one of the best confessionalists that survivor has ever produced. I mean, he's, he's a writer, he's a director. He's kind of, he's kind of right up his, his alley there, but the man can narrate a story and that's what you want out of some out of players confessionals is he can tell you what's going on in an informative, interesting, and entertaining way. I mean, he's one of my favorites. hes I don't know where he'd rank in terms of best players, probably not all that high, um, but he's someone who I would always be excited to see play just because you know you're going to get several laughs and several just great moments out of him. Yeah. Now you were alluding to Butch on Amazon, right? For uh, the confessionals. <laughs> no. I guess, guess we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Um, see on that one. Yeah. Well, I, I just uh, finished watching Philippines for the second time, which Jonathan Penner is also on. And, um, you know, every time I watch him, I appreciate him more just because even if, you know, he's not there in the final four, even if he makes a misstep, you know, every once in a while, or, you know, says, says something you shouldn't say, uh, you know, that's like a kind of a strategic error. It's, it's just always fun to watch. Yeah. Every, everything he does. And I think part of his appeal is that he's going to mess up at some point and he's going to react in a very entertaining way. Yeah. Like like one of the, one of the big moments, might as well just jump ahead to um, post merge is when Yule flips Penner post merge and he basically uses his idol as a threat like you can vote with us and get someone out someone out on your side and you're but you'll be safe or you can vote against us we'll all vote for you and i'll play my idol for whoever you vote for and then you're gone and and his quote is something like if i stay i'm a bastard and if i flop if i flip i'm a bastard (laughs) yep and not many not many people and can can get away with using not that bastard is a terrible word, not a great word, um, you know, in terms of profanity or whatever it is. They don't they don't bleep it out. So at least there's that. But not many people could make a W to that word so like entertaining in such a simple sentence. But he just has that like charisma about him that you're just like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense, and I love what you're saying. Yeah, and you get the you get the impression that this is just how he is in real life too. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it's not he's not trying to, you know, give that extra 20% of Jonathan Penner. It's just he's authentically like, Penner. Yep. Through and through. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I'd, I think a lot of people like him too, is that you can you know that this is just some guy that you would encounter in real life and uh he's out there playing Survivor as hard as he can. Yep. Any any interview that I've heard him heard him on or read from him. He's got the same kind of energy and, you know, word choice and everything. And he just sounds like a, like an awesome guy. Um, and I think that kind of proves itself from we'll probably touching this at winners at war, but that was kind of the reason that you will even play was to raise awareness for, for Jonathan Penner's wife who tragically passed away. 
uh, a little more recently here. And even though he is kind of an abrasive personality at times, he's got that humanity to him that you kind of have to have if someone like Yule is going to, you know, be that drawn to you. Yeah. It's kind of incredible. Um, that, what is it? I mean, 15 years, probably 12 to 15 years after, you know, they first met each other and the only season they've ever played together, they're still that close outside of the game. And, you know, we all know the kind of guy that Yule is and someone like that is not going to choose to keep in touch with, with a guy like Penner unless Penner is also a very stand-up guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, let's see Ozzy. I mean, we get to see Ozzy in his beginning stages, which is then Ozzy every other time that he goes out. He doesn't ever change his game, which I kind of respect. And it's very frustrating as well because he came, he came so close here to winning. You know, it's kind of the, do you reward the physical threat or the strategic threat? But in which, which side you favor there. And I don't know if he got stuck in that and just thought, oh, this is the way to play. I came up close or came up short, but it was against Yule. So that makes sense. I just keep doing what I'm doing forever. And yeah. just never really made an attempt to change anything. <laughs> yeah. The, to me, the evolution of Ozzy's gameplay is that, you know, every time he plays, he says like, don't vote me out but like a little more intensely every time. <laughs> so like the first season is like, Oh yeah, I'm catching fish and you know, I'm a good challenge player. You don't want to vote me out. And then it's like, Oh, I'm in your Alliance. Don't vote me out. And then he gets to South Pacific and he's like, well, I'm going to go to redemption Island and, and take out this Alliance. So you, you need me here. You guys, you guys need me. And then, you know, Game Changers is uh, I feel like his ultimate form of of just, yep, if I win challenges, I'm staying. And if I don't, then I'm just going to leave. And he was still so. hanging on to the I provide food, even <laughs> yeah. even 21, Game Changers 34, 21, yeah. 22, some seasons later. It's like, oh, there's plenty of food. I don't yep. think catching fish is going to quite earn the goodwill that it, that it used to. Yeah, I, we're kind of past the point of thinking we're going to starve on this show now. Yes. We've seen yes. people successfully live through 39 days of rice. Uh, we've seen it happen to a nearly 100% success. <laughs> <laughs> nearly? I mean, there's probably something we haven't seen where it might yeah, be like 99%, I guess. but yes. I guess. Yeah. I'll, give, I'll give them a slight benefit of the doubt. <laughs> And it, it has, um, it's moving along here, Cook Islands has one of the more iconic early season moments of a love connection. Yes. It's oh, man. This, Billy this tugs and at the heartstrings. One, one of the greatest misconnections moments I've ever seen. I need, I need to see this post up on Craigslist, the misconnection section. And there's an incredible gif of, of Jeff Probst at Tribal when when Billy talks about finding love with Candace and probes his his eyes just go wide and he leans forward, I think. And so to set it up, if you don't remember, um, they were talking after the challenge, they like, probes to the tribes and, and Billy was kind of saying he was gonna go home. And Candace turns turns to him and goes, Oh, we love you, something like that. And it was just like a, a supportive, like, oh hang in there, you know, we're here for you type of thing. And then he took it to mean I I personally, Candace, am in love with you. He goes, I love you too. And 
I mean, throw your hands up in the air. It's like, what? What did we just see there? And then it goes off at Tribal. One of the best Tribal moments probably in the show's history, if you're ranking ranking those. It's just just phenomenal. And Billy seems like a, a really nice guy. So I'm not here to make fun of him for that. Not, you know, calling him a dummy for thinking that. Just the whole way it unfolded was just so mind-boggling that it went down that path. Yeah. Uh, under all the heavy metal gear was a very, very sensitive man who fell in love and you know and then she that's... left him for adam <laughs> yeah man I, I can't say she upgraded there um so i'm i'm team billy uh when it comes to candace oh yeah 100 percent. you know i think she i think she probably ultimately upgraded you know with with john <laughs> yeah um, yeah that's all that matters but you know yeah she ultimately picked the right one but out of those two I think Billy would have been would have been the choice versus, yep. versus Adam. Oh, for when, sure. When they actually like kissed when she got voted out, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh man. Even even moments like that, you just would be shocked to see on today's Survivor. But um yeah, I I just the Billy thing gets me every time. It will never not be funny. Um just everything about it is hysterical. Yeah. The you know, the misinterpretation, uh, just the instant. I, you can see it on Billy's face when she's like, well, we love you. And and his face when he says, oh, yeah, that's well, I love you, up. too, <laughs> is like you like instantly. He just bought it. And it was uh, kind of, I don't know, kind of sad. But like, you just can't help but laugh at the same time. It was phenomenal all right uh let's see next thing here what do we want to go to um the mutiny yeah not the first time it's been offered can't, i actually can't remember when the first one was but first time it's been taken up on um so probes gives them the chance to to mutiny gives them you know five seconds whatever to decide and candace and penner both step off i think candace goes first and penner goes right at the right at the buzzer um, leaving the the underdogs I24, Yule, Ozzy, Sundra, and Becky. And that, at least for me, I think for a lot of people, is where the season starts to really take off. Because you have this, this what was it, 8-4 underdog at that point? 7-4, something like that? That sounds right, yeah. And then, 7 or 8-4. to four. And then that 4 ends up being the final 4. Like, that just forged their bond and fire right there. And you, I think you, you kind of tell that if they avoided tribal council, they were not going to turn on each other at, at any point after they went through that going undefeated in challenges before, before the merge happened, staying strong through the merge and just taking it to the end. All four of them. One of the more compelling storylines, at least from a, an Alliance standpoint, I think that the show has ever seen. Yeah. Um, the, I guess it really felt, it was like the first David versus Goliath. Like kind of was, yeah. Yeah. Um that was yeah, to me, one of my favorite storylines. Um, like they even like we I I watched that season with my girlfriend too, and that's um still one of her favorite seasons to this day for for that exact storyline. We still refer to them as the I24. I remember it like it it's just one of those things that um you you could script and it wouldn't 
turn out as well as it did for uh for the show like i i will say i feel like that's kind of what production had in mind as a if this goes perfectly this is going to happen and then it just played out to a t for them yep um what it did kind of demonstrate was how slightly overpowered that idol was for the season. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure when we were going to get into the super idol, but I hate it. Yeah, I I hate it. I hated the idea, but Yule played it just perfectly, knowing oh, like yeah. with what he had, um, he was flawless. Yeah, and. And it's kind of demonstrated as I kind of touched on the when he flips Penner later on in the game that if you play it right, the one time you use it, you literally can just decide who goes home if you're in the right situation. And I don't know, it just it's just way too powerful. It takes no strategy to use it. The only the only thing is if like you and I are, are in alliance together and I have the idol, and they put the votes on you, like do I use it to save you? Yeah. If if um, like as long as it wouldn't mean that then I would go home if it was like they did a vote split. But that's but otherwise like oh I didn't get enough votes to go home so I will not use the idol. It's yeah. It's I think. What actually turned out happening, so you said, you know, you use an idol like that and there's no strategy. It's just, am I going home or not? I guess, um, I mean, depending on how you, how you think about it, but you yeah. could just go through it and that, with that mindset. Yeah, and that's kind of what I thought the first time I saw it. But, like, you will put strategy into an idol that there was no strategy with. And I think he did that by telling everyone that he had it. And that pushed off everyone voting for him as long as possible where, you know, you get to the end and it's like, Oh, well, I guess we can't really vote him out now because he's just going to use his idol. So we'll just have to keep voting out people on our side. It was, it was really, I'm amazed at how well he leveraged that given that there really was not many options to do it. Yeah, it's, I think Yule made it much more interesting than it could have. And kind of like Tony and Kagayan, you know, he, he kind of fudges the powers a little bit on that. And when someone can be a little creative with it, it obviously helps. But if you get someone like, like if, if Adam had this idol, <laughs> it, it wouldn't have been very interesting at all. No. Or someone, someone like that who's maybe not, who's not on, a Yule intellectual level or a Tony let's just go balls to the wall and see what happens kind of level. Um, but, and it has, it has to, the situation with it has to fall in line like perfectly. Cause if, if you get, if it falls into the hands of like the power Alliance, it just keeps them in power. Cause yeah. then it, it may, gives, gives like no, no way to kind of wedge themselves in there because they, you know, they can just save wherever it is or whatever it might be if there's anything go, goes wonky. Um, and, and it'll save the minority alliance like once. Once it's used and it's kind of it's just kind of out. Um, I'm, I'm glad they haven't gone back to it unless, I'm, unless I just pushed it out of my memory since Kagayan. Um, 
Although I think in in Heroes Healers Hustlers, I think wasn't it was it that one where it was good if like the first tribal only, it could be played after the votes. Something I'm not like confident that. enough in my answer to say. One I want to say there was there was one season where that's the case, and that's. I'm still not a fan, but that's way better than than this. Um, but just in general, if they never do this again in any way, shape, or form, I'll be a, I'll be a happy camper on that one. Yeah, they. I think what I'm kind of realizing as we talk about this is that this season could have turned out to be a dumpster fire if, like, the whole tribes merging thing and idol thing did not go 100% the way they wanted it to go. Um, You know, just imagine like a bunch of fractured racial tribes not merging well. And then one of them just holding the idol and not playing it. It just, it could have, I feel like it could have turned out really, really bad and it ended up turning out really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. It like we mentioned with with uh, those those big four characters and then a couple things just kind of breaking production's way. This is I think this is probably the best version of the season we could have gotten aside from changing different twists or things like that and just or like removing the super idol or whatever it might be that with the way this season was formatted, this is if not at the best at about as good as it could have turned out, I think. Yeah, that's, that seems about right. Um, you know, with obviously we're saying some of the, the production elements here weren't great choices, but it's still a borderline top 10 season. Um, so yeah, I think that that's pretty accurate to say that it went as well as it could have. Yeah. A couple other things, at least for me to, that I've got noted here. Um, We'll save one of them because it's hysterical. Um, the first instance of a final three in the game. Yes. First 12 seasons or first 11 seasons, I'm sorry, had been final two. This time they moved to the final three. And we've touched on this here and there, but do you have a strong preference either way on the three versus two? I kind of like the three. Um, I don't know why, though. It's it's just more, more people talking about their games. So, um, yeah, as uh, I don't know, I, I can go either way. Um, it's just that I think when you get to a final two, the winner seems le- it seems more expected um, when there's a final two. Like it's not like to me, Sandra kind of came out of left field for heroes versus villains. And like that is one thing that you're not going to get when it's a final two. True. I can see that. I, I think I prefer the final two. I think it's more interesting from a decision-making standpoint to force people to do an A or B versus a multiple choice type decision. Um, but it would go final two, final three with no fire, and that's it. I don't even consider final three with fire, with force fire. Because the final four fire can provide some incredible entertainment uh-huh. as this, as this season demonstrated with the famous Sundra versus Becky. Was it hour and a half, two hours? <laughs> yeah. 
they run out of flint they run, they get they probes gives them matches um if you know the site or are familiar with the site the funny 115 or if you're not familiar check it out it's um she was it Mario Lanza who does it. Uh, I didn't get that right, but he he puts together a bunch of very funny moments in the show in Survivor and breaks them down. He's he's hysterical. He's he's very he's a very good writer. The and length that goes into the these length that goes into these is incredible. Yeah, Mario Lanza is fantastic. Um, so he's got you know pictures here with great captions on each one, and it's. I mean, obviously this is. 20 some odd seasons before the forest fire. So it's not as bad of a thing if you don't know how to make fire, but it become it goes from frustrating to sad, to funny, to what is happening to hysterical all over the board over the course of this time. Cause you, you see the jury reactions, you see probes reactions. Oh, it's, I cannot get enough of this. One of my favorite moments. It's incredible. What makes it even better is that they very obviously were fighting for third place. Yes, that's that's actually a, a really good point. It does end up being five four zero, but I don't think that would have changed no matter what happened here. <laughs> yeah, if it was you and Ozzy and anybody, at least at least that, or at least either of Sandra or Becky, maybe someone else might have made it a five two two, whatever it might be. But yeah, it was gonna be it was gonna be five four zero six three zero, regardless. And they're going through all of this just, just to get zero votes at the final. Yep. Yep. Uh, man, what a, and, and the same thing. Um, well, not the same thing, but related where you say, you know, it's the first final three um, didn't really work out here just because, you know, it, it still pretty much was a final two, but um, you know, it would have obviously if, if Becky snuck in there, you know, as a final two against Yule over Ozzy, I maybe she would have gotten a vote or two, but um, yeah, I, I as far as that goes, I think they kind of whiffed, um, but everything else was a hit. All right, well, those are the, that closes out at least my notes before we get to second chance. Anything else that we didn't cover that you're that you want to go over for Cook Islands? No, I, I think this is pretty good. My, my favorite, I'll just add one, one thing. It was a Penner thing. Um, I feel like it was, this was the first moment that Jeff Probst, uh, really became Jeff Probst. He was commenting on one of the challenges Penner's tribe could not, uh, there was a task. It was dropping like a cannonball into a target from a boat uh, and dropping it underwater onto a target. And Panner's tribe could not hit a target to save their lives. And Panner was clearly frustrated. Jeff was commenting on how bad they were doing. Uh, <laughs> Penner says something to Jeff and then Jeff goes, Jonathan getting annoyed by me. <laughs> yeah. I think you start to see hints of it. Um, I think maybe in season 10 and 11, and then he starts to really get going in, you know, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. And then he just kind of becomes going or becomes the, the Jeff Probst that we know and love today. And it's such a, such a stark contrast. If you go and rewatch 
whether it's a full season or just an episode or two of like a Borneo, for example, where it's just complete silence as they're going through the challenge. They'll show little updates on the the lower third of the screen there when Jeff is maybe saying, oh, this tribe's in the lead now. And then it's just like monotone. And then he's, but once he starts to really get into it, yelling at the contestants, getting in their heads, that's what makes it, that's what starts to make the challenges a lot more fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably the only thing I want to add, but uh, couldn't go without mentioning it. Also, um, Parvati is, is one of my all time favorites. I'm sure many people share that opinion with me. Um, yeah. And this is only, this is her first season of hers. Yep, yep. And we're at season 12. So I think bodes well for any any poverty fans that yeah which which should be which should be anyone who's a survivor fan for being honest i I would hope so um at least at least that you respect the hell out of how she plays the game but um yeah i i thought uh you know we didn't really get to see uh the purest form of poverty on this season. There were some there, flashes. There are a few moments. There are definitely a few moments. Um, but it was def- it was definitely heavy on on the flirt strategy. Yep. And it got her what top six or seven? I can't remember exactly where she finished. Yeah, I think she finished yeah. sixth. Um, yeah, remember stuff like the uh, they they went skinny dipping and she was retelling a very small portion of the story at tribal council just in. Her devious uh, way, and and it was yeah, just just great. You could tell it was there. Obviously, glad she came back. Um, but yeah, can't wait to talk more about poverty. Absolutely, plenty of chance chances to do so. Uh, second chance, I've got one one hard yes in Nate. I like that'd him be a, great. I liked yeah. him a lot. He was a, he was a lot of fun. Good good fun character. Um, you know, the four that have already come back, the four we talked about a lot already, Yule, Penner, Ozzy, and Poverty, you know, they they took up so much of the airtime, and rightfully so, um, that I don't I don't know if some of the other players just didn't get the chance or if they didn't really get, show anything. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Becky or Sandra get, get another shot, just if they played up the redemption arc in terms of the fire somehow, that that was like an ongoing joke. But I think Nate is probably the only one that I would put a firm stamp a yes on for this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm going through these now. Um, you know, one person early on in the season who uh, kind of thought he was running things was JP and he got, I think he got blindsided pretty hard actually. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I didn't love everything we saw from him, but uh, just that kind of like overconfident personality is always great to have on the show. But um, I don't need to put him on any you know list to come back. All right. Pretty top heavy cast. Not uncommon, though. All right. Um, as far as the four that have already come back to playing again, I will always say yes to Penner. Always. And like we said before, at you and Parvati, who are on Winners at War, yes to a Legends-type season. But anything other than that, I think we're probably done with them. And Ozzy, I'm good with. I I think we'll see some phenomenal challenge performances, but there are plenty of other more interesting characters at this point who can get a second shot or or maybe third instead of giving him a fifth to do the 
same game we've seen four times already. Yep. And uh, I, I'm just going to say, I think it, it speaks volumes as to uh, if you want to see this person back, but Candace, did we mention her? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, that was uh, not intentional, which might say, which might be a worse, worse yep. indictment. Yep. Um, again, I don't know that we need to see her three times. I think two was probably good, but she provided some fireworks in blood versus water. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> two, uh, before too long. But yeah, she I, I like her just fine. She's been on a few other podcasts that I've heard. She's like a lovely person. But as a survivor player, she's not all that interesting. She's whelming. I'd say she's very whelming. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Doesn't overdo it, doesn't underdo it, just doesn't. And and there are there are countless other players that can do exactly that. That would be on for a either first or second or third time that I think she's run runner course. But again, I don't know that, I'd, you know, start, you know, I wouldn't jump on the Reddit boards to complain if, if Candace got cast again, I would question it maybe in my head or on, on an episode here, <laughs> but I would more, silently more just judge the banter. There yeah. you go. But all right, we'll move right along here uh, to our 11th ranked season, season six, 2003's Amazon and I don't know if this is the last one but one more big pretty big split for us my seventh ranked season Jared's 21st still averages out to near the top 10 but quite different opinions on on where that would land Um, this famously of course is the first men versus women season and I'll concede that part rewatching did not age part particularly well especially in some of those first couple episodes where the guys are hilariously way overconfident and then just get their shit tossed in um which is but that kind of does age well that part ages really well because like yeah you you got what you deserved and then even at that travel council they're still talking about how hot some of the some of the women players are (laughs) it's like do you realize what just happened to you so it's hysterical but it's also like all right that's a little much, but the one thing that did age well in that sense is that the guys were kind of played off to be dummies that it, it they weren't kind of like parade around as, as heroes for having these attitudes or anything. It's like, yeah, these guys are idiots. They're losing the game and they still are just out here thinking they're going to dominate the, these women and get them to go on dates with them and, and hook up on the Island. <laughs> just like, okay, this is, this yeah. is great. You guys, you guys are idiots. I'll just, I'll just enjoy it. Um, but this, this season is really kind of the first big step up in strategic play in the show. You know, the first three seasons were kind of, you know, boilerplate Marquesas had a few instances where you could kind of see what the game was going to be. And then Thailand had Brian Heideck just kind of being an ice cold jerk to say, put it nicely. And and then Amazon was kind of a smoothing out, it seems like, of, of Marquesas and and Thailand of of being able to play a, a cutthroat strategic game while still offering loads of entertainment. Yeah, um, and if that's if that's why you have 14 spots higher than me, I I totally understand. Um, There's that plus Rob Sesternino is a huge reason 
why this season is so high. That well, that's, that wait. that of course is the is the guy I was referring to about a great confessionalist. I mean, he's like the perfect amount of of I guess biting and sarcastic. He's not outright mean, but he you know, he he has some some cutting comments which are hysterical. He's quick-witted. He he understands the game. He knows the game arguably better than anybody up to this point in the show through the first six seasons and and him staying so long you know if he had gone out you finishes finishes in third if he if he went out pre-merge or early post-merge i don't know this would be as high for me but but he he just provides he he just carries so much of the season in my eyes yeah, I I absolutely think it would be a lot lower if he did not go past the merge. Um, when you said strategy was, you know, really taking a step up this season, I thought you were just talking about him because I mean he he was he was the the bigger the the biggest example yeah, of it. Yeah, because that's kind of spearheading that that movement. Yeah, that's how much I think he positively influenced this season is that just him alone took it up a couple notches from where it had been. Um, and then obviously you have a bunch of other really fun people to watch too. Um, but I honestly, it's hard to say like he might be top three for the effect a single player had on a season. Do you have the other two? In mind, uh, well, kind of, I mean, like Boston, kind of estimating where, yeah, somewhere in there, but like Boston Rob on Redemption Island, um, you know, like I don't want to know how that would have turned out if he and Russell both went pre-merge. Um, and hey, we might have gotten Andrea win though, Jared. Well, you know what? Well, don't get me thinking about it. Don't get <laughs> I, I can't go down that road right now. Um, but yeah, I. And then maybe like Russell on Samoa. I don't know. Um, something like that, though, where he just played such a huge role in how the season unfolded and how subsequent seasons were played. Yeah, and I think looking back on it, I was definitely watching it with, with kind of a little bit of that in mind. It's like while he makes this, this season – very good he also has a lasting effect on the series so i think that probably affected where you know where i ranked it um but there, there are definitely other other good parts in in the show in the season for sure you know you've got the heidi and jenna relationship which is which is i mean it's 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 often pretty fun as long as the pair is likable or entertaining or both to watch a strong twosome kind of go through the entire game um I mean, there's one thing that I don't think they've ever done since they give Heidi and Jenna one or two dual confessionals. And, and that's just, that's so fun. That's such just a, a little thing that production can do that, you know, we've talked a bunch about their trying new things. And this is something, something that doesn't affect the game really in any way at all, but it's something new and different for the viewers to kind of, Oh, Hey, that's different. And it worked out perfect. It's just two basically good friends. It reminded me of, um, for anyone who's watched The Office, I know there's a few of you, when they do the talking heads, when they'll do them with two people in the office and they can kind of go back and forth on each other. Those are some of the funnier 
kind of confessionals, if you will, for the show. And the effect was the same with, with Heidi and Jenna. And I wish they would do do that more because they're definitely I mean, think of like in Ghost Island. If you got That's Wendell, exactly where my mind went. you got Wendell and Dom talking about Chris or whoever it might have been. And they're they're strong twosomes, you know, Christian and and, and the mayor slam town in a dual confessional or get all three brochachos together. And, and this, this was kind of the first instance of production, just kind of having a little fun with it. And, and the, uh, another instance there um, where the, the women's camp, they're doing some work and, and they do some kind of not quite clown music, but some kind of goofy music playing over them doing work. And that's the first time I can remember them doing anything like that. And so there are a few instances of that where it's not necessarily the players themselves, but, production kind of putting their own handprint on or thumbprint on the game uh or on the season which which helps elevate some for me as well yeah uh i would not have remembered that if you did not bring it up so i'm glad you did but that was um you know now that you talk about that, that that's all i want to see I, I just want you know season 41 fresh start Let's let's get some dual confessionals in here. I mean, think think of like a, a Tony and Trish dual confessional <laughs> together. <laughs> I was thinking like Kim and Chelsea. That even that would be Kim fun. And, any any twosome that works closely together, whether they're working in like complete cohesion, like Kim and Chelsea, or they're one is just picking up the other's trash with 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 Trish and Tony, <laughs> Cochran um, and Don, Cochran and Don, Don and Brenda. <laughs> yep. there, there, there's a ton of ton of instances where that where that would work and i i honestly can't come up with a good reason why they don't do it aside from they don't want to just take two people out of camp for that time yeah that's but true it's not like they have to do it every single season or even all the time throughout the season just do it once or twice here or there give us something a little different um but a couple couple challenges to note at least for me um, can we talk about the balance beam the balance is this the, the first one it's the, the very early on it's <laughs> I, go for it oh man the guys on the balance beam was pretty much uh the epitome of early season play where you go into a challenge thinking you got it you got it in the bag and then you just fail and you don't only you don't just fail but but you look very embarrassing doing it and um it's very I, easy to look very bad on a balance beam yeah and uh i i can't get the image out of my head i've seen this season three times now and it's daniel scooting across the balance beam <laughs> getting approximately 14 inches away from the end of it and putting his feet on the ground right before the point where he needed to get to. And it was, it's just, it just goes to show, you know, don't, don't go in thinking you're going to win it because not only could you lose, but you could be embarrassed. Yeah. And for our benefit, however, it's always great when someone who's super arrogant and cocky just falls flat on their face. And especially when they're, so confident that's oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna it's just like in david versus goliath which we'll get to obviously we'll talk about that a little more but the goliaths are completely underestimating the the david tribe and then christian and lirsa just 
just dominate it. Um, Two episodes in a row, we get a Christian Hubicki slide puzzle reference. This is good. I like the way this show is trending. Yes. I mean, we can never have enough Christian Hubicki references, no matter what, as long as they're positive, which for us, that's all they're going to be. <laughs> um, but a, a couple of challenges that really stick out, um, the match game, you know, they each have their own their own collection of things in a box and try to find matches. I hate it. I think it's, I think it'd be a really fun one to do because it's just kind of a laid back, low key, joking around type challenge. But man, is it a, a dud to watch? Yeah, it's and they've done that one a couple times, not for a long time, but they've done it a couple times. The only good thing I can say about this one is that there was direct interaction between the contestants. I, I that and you're right that that is that is fun when they can kind of especially get a little mixture there. Yeah, and it was I think at that point it was two different tribes too, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, so you kind of get that mixing of the tribes happening early on in the season, but there's just nothing to the challenge itself. And I I honestly think this one played a little better because the men versus women split because there was some definite kind of flirting whether it was legitimate or just strategic going on back and forth. And the women were realizing, oh, it's going to be super easy to just manipulate these guys, <laughs> isn't it? And yeah. they're just the, er- the early seeds being planted of, of that fact, which is kind of fun to watch um, throughout the rest of the, the season run. Um, the other one, which they have regretfully brought back a couple of times, is <laughs> the meat tearing challenge. Oh, yeah, no. That one, that one is absolutely disgusting and i think it's i don't know if it's this one and write down unfortunately i think it's maybe south pacific where they get to take the meat as part of the reward uh no thank you no but this one is this one is just and this isn't just because of the days of covid or whatever you want to call it this one has always been and will always be disgusting regardless of how much more heightened we are in germs and everything these days this one is just a obviously i'd do it i would do it and full, go full bore no pun intended in the um if I was on the season but it's it's not fun to watch in any sense of the word no and and they did this i think it was south pacific that i watched recently i know it was a coach like, season i know that yeah someone like chipped a tooth like it's it's not just gross. It's like dangerous. Yeah. Cause they're, they're not like boneless chunks of meat. No, that's a, that's a full slab pig. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's not great. It's not great. Um, another challenge. I don't remember the challenge, but the, the reward, cause I just want to get your thoughts on this. They win a, a refrigerator full of Coke and I like pop as much. As the next guy I drink way too much Mountain Dew. It's probably the single most delicious thing to be invented as Agreed. far as drinks go. Agreed. But I can't, aside from alcohol, I can't think of anything I would want less if I was on Survivor than one can of pop, much less an entire fridge worth of pop. Yeah, you know that first one would taste great, but after that, you're probably not going to want to be dehydrating yourself. Yes, if you're playing the game smart, you and and they're they're super pumped and i get like the initial reaction of winning it's like oh this is awesome um but but no, no. yeah 
just imagine having no food in your system and a ton of caffeine and just showing up like jittery on a sugar high to a challenge, like an endurance challenge. That doesn't sound like a, a very winning strategy. No. But. No. And that's the thing I think about on these rewards. You see people go off and they get the the open bar and whether it's alcohol or or whatever else it might be. And they just go to town on margaritas and soft drinks. And it's like, maybe you just can't resist. You just get in the moment. And on maybe on the on the full reward, it's a little um mitigated by having actual food to eat. But I would not want to get drunk on Survivor. Ponderosa, yeah, we'll party all night. But in the game, one, I want to keep my wits about me. And two, waking up hungover in like the real world sucks. I can't imagine what it would be like when you're already dehydrated and low on food. And then oh, it's gotta be it's gotta be terrible. I yeah. I don't get it. If I were on the show, I would hope that I wouldn't drink. I would, I would hope to have like water or like lemonade if that was on a reward. Like that'd be like it, hopefully. How, what if you got a nice milk as a reward? Just a fridge full of milk. I don't like milk, but on the island, I, I would probably love milk. <laughs> okay. That's another thing that to me, if it was like super hot out and we had just gotten back from a challenge, would be like, oh, no, I can't. Yeah. Like if we, if we want a, a, a cooler of, of cartons of milk, I wouldn't be too pumped about that. But if we were on a reward and the only drinks are water and milk, I would have some milk. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but speaking of, of endurance challenges, the first individual immunity reward. An iconic moment in Survivor history. Before we get to that, did you realize when they were doing this in your last rewatch? That Probst makes a comment of when you when you get off your pole to get out of the water quickly because there are alligators here. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. And and nobody seems to be worried about that. <laughs> How is there not a confessional from Sesternino or or Heidi or someone? I'm like, yeah. And then Jeff throws us out into the in the middle of this alligator-infested water. Of course I'm gonna stay up here forever. I don't want to be by those alligators. Like he says it so nonchalantly. He's, he says it like very seriously, but not, but in a very like, just do it quickly. You know, you'll be fine, but there are alligators here. It's like, what? It makes you wonder what dangerous situations they had been in that we were unaware of on prior seasons. Like yeah, I mean, obviously there's, there's Africa and that, that whole ordeal, but this is just, this is just another challenge and we got alligators swimming around. Yeah. I, if it's that serious, I'm honestly kind of surprised we didn't see someone contemplate or actually just sit out of the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Philip Shepard sit out right there. If if I was told that if you didn't get out of the water quick enough, an alligator might get you, I the thought of just sitting out would seriously cross my mind. Yes. In in water in water you said no chance against against those things. No, absolutely not. And I mean I will never I will never advocate for making yourself look as strong as possible in challenges. So, you know, if you sit out, hey, not a huge threat. 
But the more, I guess, important part of this challenge, this is the very famous Jenna and Heidi taking off their clothes for cookies, peanut butter, and pop. I mean, and, great decision. And it's, it's the, they offer it, don't they? I think they do. Yeah. And, and then, then you get the people saying, probes, get these girls some peanut butter. <laughs> it's like, Rob. <laughs> another, another comment that hasn't yep. aged great. Um, in the scope of the season, not as bad because, you know, they, they offered it. But I, I wonder, I wonder how that would go over today. Do you think probes would just would just shut it down and say no, even if they were if they fully were the ones that said yes, we will do this? I think he would probably shut it down, but this moment, it just felt it felt really innocent. Like it, it did, didn't, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, uh, oh, I can't believe it. It was, it was just like, wow, this is fun, hilarious, and. I feel a little uncomfortable watching, but like not in a bad way. Cause and it, it was mostly, especially at this point, a, a pretty young cast. So it, it wasn't like they were doing it and they were 30 or 40 years younger than everybody else. It was a lot of people right in their, you know, early mid twenties that it was just kind of, it felt like a bunch of friends just hanging out. And so it, it came across, like you said, a little, a little more innocent than it, otherwise could have but again just just another iconic moment got help get them a spread in playboy afterwards i mean it's that that one will always go down in survivor history as just like one of the moments of the show yeah you don't forget that one uh, um, let's see here a couple other things at least for me or several other things now that i look at my notes here um just want to point out when Rob wins immunity, the look of joy on his face, it's just such a pure moment. And I I love when you see someone like that win immunity, who's not necessarily the stereotypical challenge threat, but who loves the game and playing this game means so much to them in a way that's different than a lot of other players. And just like the look of, basically pure euphoria that comes that comes over him it's just like it's just one it's just a very just like heartwarming moment just to, to see what challenge was that what did he win it to get was, immunity? Oh, gosh of course i just wrote rob winning immunity i want to say it was like it wasn't a very physical one um i want to say it was more like a, like a memory one maybe um let me see if i can look it up here real quick well it i mean that would but make sense i am but... kind of curious Okay. Um, well, I looked that up though. Let's see. Oh, the the loved ones. Do you remember how this one this one worked out? Not really. So Matthew, we'll get to him a little more as well. Well, his he, mom was there, right? So he he wins he wins the challenge, and then he then he's given the choice of keeping the the love for himself. Or giving it up, and give and give everyone else in the tribe a visit with their loved ones. So he gives it up. They all get a whopping ten minutes with their loved one, which is just hilarious. But then, as a reward, Matthew gets a full day or full rest of the day, however long, with his mom. So he's rewarded for his for his kindness. But just 
giving everyone 10 minutes, it's almost, that's almost worse than giving them nothing at all. Cause you're, I feel like you're like just getting into the, the real past the, how you doing, how's the game going? How's everyone back home? And then that time is up and they say, okay, got to go. See you later. Yeah. Uh, it's It's like, what? I wonder how they arrived at that amount of time. That's, that's my main question. It's like, no, you know, half an hour is too much. And, um, you know, we don't want to let them just see each other for the hug. So 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Good for everyone. Okay. Those are the, those are some of the decisions that I'm more curious about how they went down because at the end of the day, they're so kind of inconsequential. It's it's not how many idols should we have? What's a new advantage for this season? How many tribes should we have? Or anything like that. It's what's an arbitrary number of minutes we can give the survivors with their loved ones? <sighs> like how long does that conversation go? Like, do they just say 10 minutes? 10 minutes is good, everybody? All right, yeah, 10 minutes is good. Five seconds, five seconds done, or they go back and forth debating the merits for and against 10 minutes versus half an hour versus an hour versus a full day. I hope there wasn't a debate. I would hope there would be. I feel like if our group <laughs> was, was planning this, we would get way too hung up on, on every decision. Yep. And then we would realize, oh, we still have um, 28 days of the game to plan. So let's Maybe move on from this, but that sounds exactly like yeah. us. Um, but but Matthew, he kind of goes a little crazy. At least is the is the um, the perception of of those at camp. Just keeps sharpening his his machete, and everyone is is talking about how he, how he's creepy and how they're, they're worried he's going to kill them. And obviously, if there was any real concern, even in season six, they would they would stepped in. But it's just, it's just hysterical seeing them the players just kind of narrate this supposedly terrifying situation that's occurring five feet from them on a daily basis yeah i i thought it was funny how how rob put it why does he need the machete so sharp <laughs> but yeah uh i i guess the first time watching it i was a little concerned but yeah knowing that nothing really happened and that people seem to like him uh second time through made it much much more funny yeah and if there was anything that actually resulted from that i think i would hope at least they would have downplayed the edit on that big time agree that'd be quite something if someone i'm i'm not necessarily on this level but i'm kind of surprised there hasn't been any like legitimate fights or altercations there have been like arguments obviously you get close to the brandon hans situation in, in caramoan but you've got all these clashing personalities living with you know 24 hours a day together and in 40 seasons there's been nothing they get they are given a lot of weapons too and and clearly like with brandon hans the screenings that they do don't always work or they work and they just ignore them because they think it'll be a great casting decision. And I'm sure the players sign waivers that would protect CBS from anything, but 
even just like one punch being thrown like um ben in samoa is kicking russell swan yeah in the challenge that's probably the closest closest we've ever seen yeah yeah i mean it's a good point the, the honor system has done the show pretty well over the years i guess and or or the the potential losing out on a million bucks or more depending what the penalties are if you i'm sure there's some sort of character clause or something whatever they want to call it in the contract or or release they sign but when you're when you're tired you're sleep deprived you're food deprived you're dehydrated your mind can just mess with you and just not to see one person just lose their mind for all it takes is a split second well not that that i'm advocating for it but i'm just thinking it's very impressive that it's that it hasn't happened yeah no well done to everyone on the first 40 seasons of survivor Let's see. Uh, so Jenna, Jenna ends up winning. Very strong social game. Um, won a few key challenges. Didn't really jump off the off the screen. Another instance, your recurring theme here of the show not really knowing what to do with someone who's not necessarily a flashy player. You know, if you just went off the edit, Sesternino seems like he would he should have won the game. I think a Jenna Rob final travel would have been very interesting. Um, just because I don't think Matthew would have won against either of them, but I do I do like his strategy of kind of falling stepping off the challenge because he he figured he'd go either way, and then it's not 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 on him. But I would have preferred Sesternino win, but you know if he won, maybe we wouldn't have Rap as a podcast today. Who knows where he'd be? So that'd be can't imagine that. But I I I take no issue with with Jenna's. I think she become underrated at this point. I think people are starting to gain more respect for for strong social games as they're kind of seeing all the different paths you can take to winning Survivor. Yeah, the edit the edit definitely did not make it look like she had a really strong social game, but she had a lot of friends on the jury and a lot of support from the jury and I think that's what I have to start watching a little more carefully. Yeah. And because you never really saw anyone get get too upset with her, except for Heidi at Final Tribal, this is just a fantastic moment. She asked both both Matthew and Jenna um, if there's someone who is either equally deserving or more deserving than them that should be in their spot. They both say Rob, and then she goes, "Nobody else you can think of. Nobody is else. There anyone else you can think of?" And they just stick to their guns. She's. I mean, it's kind of funny because there's no way she was not going to vote for Jenna. So Jenna's yeah. answer didn't matter. But yeah. she wanted Jenna to say her so bad. And it was so obvious. <laughs> and Jeff was like, uh, please sit down, Heidi. <laughs> I, I want to say that Jenna maybe didn't say Heidi as a way to not save face, but as a jury move, jury management move, that she was going to stick to giving honest, truthful answers. And if she said Heidi a lot of people would know that, oh, she just said that to appease her and it maybe would have lost her vote or two. Hey, however she played it, can't it, complain. Can't complain. It worked out. Can't complain. Um, Dave has one of the worst questions in tribal council history. He, you know, because he's a big entrepreneur or whatever his job was, he, he asked them about what modern leader they emulated in their games. Yeah. Where do you even start? I I don't know 
how I would answer. I, I thought of that in real time when I was, when I, I was watching last. I remember what Matthew and, said. Actually. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't come up with, with anyone. I was just thinking like, Oh, Mark Cuban, Elon Musk, like these big famous people. It's like, I don't know how to t- tie that into how I played. Yeah. And what's a leader. Like I have, I don't know what that means, but yeah, I, Matthew said uh, Colin Powell, if I remember <laughs> correctly, <laughs> which it's like, it seems like it's kind of random, but then again, the question was random too. So still not the worst. We'll get to that in a, in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but it's probably top five, assuming we're, we're tying, we're tying in as all as one, every pick a number type question as just one um let's see here one of the more more iconic um vote deliveries for for jeff probst Come, comes in on the jet ski kind of salutes yeah. the statue of liberty i've mentioned before he needs to do this again yeah imagine what he could do today i think um i think so dalton ross mentioned him a lot because he's he's one of the goats of survivor coverage he he's been covering the show since since borneo so he, he as much as any reporter can he knows probes pretty well at this point and he's said a couple times that probes has promised him one more ridiculous vote delivery before it's all done and 40 well, he probably won- couldn't yeah he probably couldn't do it in winners at war it would have been a great time to do it but given the circumstances a no-go yeah how he would have gone to his house with it but season 41 maybe is the time to to bust it out survivor's trumpet return mm-hmm. or if survivor god forbid ever does come to an end and probes is still hosting that would make sense to do it on but hopefully he'll do it at just some random point not signifying an end or anything or if he's retiring again don't want to think about that just yet but i need one more i need one that i can witness live as a fan i've never seen one yeah, I've been watching live. I've only seen it on the older seasons. I need one. I'm good. Anything less than a skydive will be a disappointment. <laughs> oh, man. Probes. One of a kind. One of a kind. Um, let's see. But yeah, overall, just a fun season. Some some really good characters. Uh, some a little more unpredictable than a lot of seasons might be in terms of who's going to be voted out. And if not unpredictable, maybe what necessarily edited very obviously as to who was going home. So it kind of kept you guessing from week to week that always helps. But yeah, for me, just, just a really solid, solid fun season, but I can see where someone might have it a little lower depending on what they're watching for in the game. But, but for me, two watches, two watches in, it's still as strong as ever. Yeah. Again, in like the grand scheme of things, that's how I'm, that's how I'm basing my season. So, you know, at the time, um, this was far and away the best season and, I still think it holds up really well today. Um, but, you know, given that I'm kind of watching this through the lens of I've seen all the seasons and where does this rank compared to all the seasons and, and the complexity of it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's still like mid pack, which is a really solid season, but um, you know, I could, I could be talked into moving it up. Not, I, I think, 21 is about as low as I would go with it. But um, yeah, one, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, we haven't talked about Christy, but 
I was going to talk, at least mention her in second, in second chance, but yeah, let's go, let's go for okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we can kind of lead into that then, but yeah, I thought, I thought this was actually really well done by production um, yep. where it's, you know, you see the struggle of someone trying to fit in that, you know, has just whether, you know, whether it's a disability or, or just, you know, anything that sets them apart from the group that they're with. And you can see early on how she was having a really hard time with it. And, um, you know, she had to like really be vocal about, I feel like I'm getting left out here. Um, you guys are, are leaving me in the dust and it's tough to keep up. And then as the season goes on, she gets her feet under her and really becomes like a lot more confident in herself and just becomes another player in the game. And, um, that's the kind of story that I really wish they would show more of. And, uh, you know, it just like, it felt really good to watch her evolve throughout the season. Yeah, it was, it's one of the stronger, if not the strongest development arcs within a single season. We've talked about, at least I have someone like Tyson who over the course of multiple seasons, you can see him change as a person, but there aren't a, ton of instances where you can kind of see market change like this within 30 some days of a game and it was really really cool to watch yeah um so little as as far as little storylines go that's one of my favorites not just for this season um but just one of the ones i won't forget it it always comes to mind when i think of amazon yeah and oh who is it is it I think it's either Butcher Roger, who at one point where, where she wins, she wins something or does really well in a challenge, and she and they see this huge smile come, come across her face. And he said that that was just like one of the most pure, just like best moments of his life, witnessing her be so happy and proud of herself. And that was, it's just a really cool moment when, when you kind of set the game aside and, you know, take the human moments at, at their level for what they are. Yeah, and it uh, sounds more like Butch than Roger to me, but um, <laughs> I knew was one of the, was knew was one of the older guys. Yeah, Butch had another moment that I that I remember from this season, but uh, you know, with the whole always has to be piling up wood, and then oh wow, the the shelter <laughs> oh, we started didn't talk about the fire. shelter. Yep. He's like, like, well, it's not really important who collected the wood and who wanted to store it there. I think we just need to rebuild as a team. <laughs> and the, I think that's probably probably Rob is saying something like, "Well, could it have burned down because of all of the extra piles and piles and pounds and feet of wood? Who's to say?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very subtle. Yeah, that's that was really unfortunate. I'm. I'm glad it happened from a from a television standpoint because anything that adds unexpected drama or a little bit of extra hardship is always going to be interesting. One thing I was wondering about, and it wasn't an issue here because they didn't exist, but if you had like an immunity idol or other advantage that got burned up and destroyed at the camp, I wonder if production would replace it or if yours, yours SOL. Hmm. 
I hope we never find out. I hope we do on a smaller scale. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, like, like someone like drops their idol or like into the fire by mistake and it just incinerates that. Yeah. That, that, that would be fun. Just, just to kind of see it's just, cause it's just answers to those kind of questions. Like in ghost Island, what happens at a tie? We found that out. It's like, it doesn't really affect the game until you have to see it play out, but there, there's probably a bunch of that stuff where it's like, be curious to see kind of how, cause I'm sure they have answers for it. I'm sure they do. You gotta as with, as well prepared as they are for everything. Um, anything else before we get into second chance players for Amazon? No, the last thing is just um, the the Matthew and Rob connection. I thought it was like kind of an odd couple sort of thing, but they made it work really well. And at one point, Rob was like, yeah, you know, so I get up in the morning. I do my debriefing with Matthew and send him on his wild goose chase for the day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, then it's uh, just kind of. You know, um, we'll we'll make decisions from there, and and or like he he said something like, you know, I I kind of have to tell him where to uh, put his vote, but like you can always count on him or something like that. But yeah, yeah, um, and I just I like how they work together. I I thought they were funny. So um, yeah. yeah, that was the last thing. Another one that would have been a great dual confessional. Get those two together. Yeah. Oh, great. It, well, then I. I'm I'm I need them to bring that back. They have to. Yeah, and, about it. and um the I guess it was fun because I think Matthew at one point said that like he was just trying to learn everything he could from Rob. And uh he was Rob was kind of like a survivor mentor to him, which was like a also a different stance than you typically hear someone take. Yeah, you don't see that ever anymore. Now with somebody taking the game seriously. No. All right, uh, my second chance. We mentioned Heidi, Matthew, and Christy. Somebody we haven't talked about who I I love, Dina. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Dina, we, yeah. Dina was 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 awesome. I don't know that she had too many like singular moments you can point to, like like Rob. Like this one moment was great, but she was just consistently entertaining, strong player funny comments, good confessionals, good in challenges, just consistently solid throughout the season. Yeah. Very decisive, like uh, kind of an aggressive player early on too. Yeah. I would, I would love to see her come back. Um, anyone else you want to add to that list? Uh, I'd like to see Christy back. I'd, I'd take Christy back. Um, I think, I don't know if you, if you mentioning her right there was you saying you wanted to see her again, but um, just want to make sure that she's on the list too. And then uh, going, going back up the list. Uh, I don't think so. Um, uh, even, even Matthew, I don't know how that would translate to today's game, but I'll go That's with Dean. I've seen him again. I, I know. I know. But uh, I'll go with Dean and Christy. Okay. I mentioned it every week, but this is that our second chance episode casting. Better ready for a marathon. <laughs> yeah. Lots of players to debate. All right. Um, so Rob and Jenna, then, if I'm forgetting anyone, I don't think I am, are the only two to have played again. Would you want to see either of them come back? Rob, for sure. 
I really want to see Rob. I'd be very curious to see how he's perceived by the other players. Yeah, it'd be tough for him to go more than a couple episodes, I think. But and I think he note because this gets brought up every so often on, on one podcast of his or another. I, he knows that, obviously. So I don't know what it would take to get him to play again. But if they could get him out there, he's still as funny and 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 witty as ever. So, and he's actually he's really good friends with Tyson. I'd love to see them play together, just because they'd have a hysterical alliance together. Um. But but yeah, as much as I want to see him play, it'd be tough because you'd almost know, unless he's on like a uh, a newbie type season and he can like Boston Rob his way through it with super fans. That's probably like the only way he can make it really far in the game. Yeah, that, even on All Stars, you saw how people just didn't want to let him hang around because they knew. Well, well, I think Probes had already anointed him as the best player to never have won. So I feel like in their eyes, he was already he was as good as a winner in terms of who you want to target. Yeah, so he's probably like, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Would have been tough for him to win that season anyway, but didn't have to make it any harder on him. All right, well, that'll close up uh, this episode, season, or seasons 11 and 12. Cracking the top 10 next week, Jared. Making our way through it. We've got Ghost Island and Blood versus Water. Um, Afrenton, Dom, and Wendell. Some more Tyson talk. Another Candace, Candace, Candace season coming mm, at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, two very fun, very fun seasons. A lot of good characters, big moments. And um, one thing with Memorial Day next weekend, that's our normal recording day. I don't anticipate us missing next week, but just watch the Twitter feed, watch the podcast feed just in case anything go, goes wonky, but I think we'll be able to figure it out. But some, just something to, to be aware of. Slight chance we'll miss next week, but I, I wouldn't plan on it. Just something to keep in mind. And again, you can follow that podcast feed on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are listened to. You can listen to us there, find us there. And Twitter at Llama Talk Pod, Instagram at Talking Llama Pod. For Jared Sundin, this is Matt Hambidge, and we'll see you next time for, for another Scoop of the Crispy. We love you. Thank you.